Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Happy New Year! Yes, Happy New Year to everyone. Absolutely. Breaking in the New Year with some Spawnmas or Spondus or Spawn Daily. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many. We we had so many different things we were going to call this. Who knows? We may change it. We may change the logo at some point, the graphic. you know, because we talked about like you're the dog, you're the rat, you're of the spawn. Who knows what we'll do? But I did throw this together uh, earlier this week, and my thought was, you know, if if I, I had said on Twitter that a day without spawn is like a day without sunshine, and then I saw this graphic, and I'm <laughs> like the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's ultimately why I chose to go with this graphic. So. Yeah, it's a nice a graphic. Reminder. It's nice. It looks good. It's it's a nice graphic uh, for those on the podcast wondering what the pot, what the image looks like. It's it's a, a it shows an image of a, a a skyline of a of a city. It's all in green, sort of lime green color, uh, in the color of the spawns. You know, like hell like eyes and uh, image of spawn evils a hell spawn uh, in the skyline and covering virtually the entire page and it, it, it looks like new york city if I, yeah it so does. yeah but you know it's, it's really nice yeah <laughs> yeah it'll be appropriate that's where spawn lives and yeah he's definitely shining down like the sun so uh just just a reminder we hope you all enjoyed the 12 days of spawn mist 12 days before christmas as rocky and i counted down toward christmas with uh, the first 12 issues of spawn sort of the first year although that you know it didn't come out monthly but you know they held up better than we thought there obviously there are some problems uh, Todd McFarland gets pretty wordy at times. That definitely continues. But uh, as the new year starts, we're going to be talking about one issue of Spawn each day, or, or we're going to attempt to. Uh, you know, there's about 320. By the time we get done, I guess there will be about <laughs> 340 issues of Spawn, somewhere between 330, 340 issues of Spawn out. So that leaves us a little leeway with 365 days in the year to, to maybe <laughs> skip a day or two here. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We we could abandon this halfway through. Who knows? It's quite the undertaking. Yeah, uh, but I, I am curious about this condensed timeline that we're doing, because again, one of the things while we were reading, while I was reading these couple issues or this issue we're going to talk about today, issue thirteen, again, just how wordy it is, and oh. you know, recent spawn issues are not as wordy. Uh, obviously, if McFarlane's not writing it, it's not as as wordy. It's not he's you know nobody's as loquacious as Todd McFarlane, but also times have changed, right? So if we're covering you know, three decades, right? Spawn yeah. came out in 1992. Yeah. It's now 2022. We're covering three decades of a comic. Times change. The aesthetic changes. And so I'm curious, covering 30 years of a, co- a specific comic in one year, will we notice the shift as, you know, the society changes and, uh, you know, aesthetics change and taste change and, you know, comics medium itself changes. Will we notice that? Uh, yeah, it's, or will it's, it be subtle enough. That it's we want? a that's a really good point, and that's that's actually one of the things that not just reviewing the the issue, the, the comics themselves, but actually just seeing the reflection of pop culture uh, if it's reflected in the comic book. Because you know, one of the things which it, it's it's actually one of the things that's been talked about from time to time, and and uh, not to not to ruffle feathers or bring up politics, but you know when when we talk about pop culture and we talk about politics and comics, frankly, there's a lot of politics in these first thirteen issues of Spawn. 
I mean, there's politics. There, there's, there's, there's different news broadcasts. There's conservative views, liberal views. Spawn actually uses, utilizes C, literally actual CNN news broadcasts. And he, there is absolutely politics in here about, uh, about homelessness, uh, you know, uh, displaced persons, about uh, the military. I mean, there, there's political commentary here if, you really, if you're really looking for it. And I, I, it's actually a very interesting point that if Spawn was coming out today, 30 years later, uh, I wonder if it would have been immune. I, I doubt it would have been immune from some, inevitably some comment about its political uh, content, even though really back in the day, this was just awesome. This was just awesome kick-ass, you know, crazy Todd McFarlane art where Spawn is doing kick-ass things and, you know, kicking ass and taking names. And it was a different time back then in the 90s. That was only at the beginning of 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 where really pop culture really took off to what we know it today. So it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, Jace, how, the, how it's going to evolve, excuse me, as we review these issues moving forward. Yeah, and, and to that point, like, you know, beyond just the, the politics, like you're saying, pop culture, there is a school of thought, and I have heard some comic writers say, you should never use slang or you should use it very sparingly. You shouldn't make sort of timely references, you know, to anybody in, in particular. We've And that's not how McFarland does things, right? Like think yeah. back uh, a couple of issues ago when we had you know, Ross Perot basically show yeah. up in a comic, you know, because yeah. it was 1992 and, and it was that it was that presidential election with pro and whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess the Flintstone <laughs> reference because of, the whole bad rock bedrock thing and and um with rob liefeld and hannah barbera and, and bad blood and what was going on there i mean the flimstones are sort of timeless so i guess that one still works but yeah. there are other there are a, a lot of other pop culture references and again I, I've, I there's a school of thought in comics that says don't put slang don't put references to real world events because it ages your book uh, and it, it it doesn't make for evergreen content but then there are right. other comic creators who apparently don't care or or just ignore that rule. I, Gary Friedrich was one. Uh, if you're not familiar with Gary Friedrich, he was one of the co-creators of Ghost Rider. And if you read a lot of those early Ghost Rider issues, it's heavily steeped in late 60s, early 70s language with groovy man and far out and <laughs> yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. And it, I, I don't really have a preference one way. It doesn't bother me necessarily. But the other part of it is that I was alive during all the all the prop puff rev, pop culture references that Todd McFarlane puts in Spawn. I was alive for them, so I actually have a, a frame of reference. I know what he's referring to, so I have a different perspective on it. Somebody else that's coming to it later who wasn't alive, maybe they feel that it's wasted. Obviously, it probably goes over their head. They don't understand the reference, but it is it is interesting and, and something to to note about the way McFarlane works. Uh, okay, yeah. so let's go ahead and dive into uh, to issue number 13. We saw and we talked extensively uh, about issue 12 and the reveal of Chapel from Youngblood, a Rob Liefeld uh, creation. Um, he was responsible. He was the one that killed Al Simmons, and it was supposed to land with big impact and didn't. And, you know, Rocky and I both agree that we felt it had a lot to do with the fact that the the Al Simmons, the past of Al Simmons, Al Simmons assassination hadn't really been fleshed out well. Like a lot of the first 12 issues were focused on the, the storyline of uh, Malabolgia and the Violator and Vindicator and, and Al Simmons coming back as a Hellspawn. And, and so that's where the focus has been. And that's what we've cared about. We, we haven't been 
shown enough of the Al Simmons past um, and and the machinations with the, the covert group he was working with to really be invested in that part of the story, to really care that it was his supposed friend Chapel that that killed him. So uh, it didn't necessarily land with the biggest impact. But in this issue, uh, it's called Flashback Part 2. Again, story and art by Todd McFarlane, letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Steve Olaf and Ruben Rude, dedicated to George Perez. Very, very timely as we're talking about this with the recent Perez news. Uh, but this is continuing the the fallout of last issue where Spawn remembered that it was Chapel that killed him. So first page is this giant expositional box that I mostly blacked out everything because it's so it's so wordy as you can see it there. Uh, <laughs> you ever had any doubt that Todd McFarlane loves baseball? Uh, and I wonder how much this uh, is autobiographical because there are a lot of aspects of Todd's life in the story. But it basically talks uh, through Al Simmons' voice about him getting injured in a baseball game and and spending time with his wife, Wanda, and how special their relationship was. Even when he was feeling down, she always could could bring him back. And then the scene shifts to, I guess, Youngblood headquarters. I'm not familiar enough with Youngblood to really know much about them. Uh, again, I think five or six issues came out in the first, like, two or three years. I mean, Liefeld was just ridiculously slow. And again, yeah. giant info dumps on the right. Were you going to say something, Rocky? Yeah, well, no, I was just going to say that aside from the giant info dumps, I mean, uh, I don't know much about Youngblood, but I mean, Youngblood hasn't really changed all that much over the years, but all you need to know for this issue is that we have, uh, you know, we have Bad, you know, Bad Rock, who is no longer known as Bedrock because of a, a lawsuit by the by Hannah Barbera on Flintstones. So we got Bad Rock and Die Hard and the team leader is of Youngblood is Shaft. And the, a recent member of Youngblood is this Chap Chapel character that you, you talk about. Yeah, very much a sort of a Punisher analog. You know, um, he's got, instead of having a skull on his chest like Punisher, he's got a skull on his face. Uh, he's African-American like Al Simmons. Supposedly was Al Simmons' friend really leans into the nineties tropes of, you know, guns and pouches and weapons and violence and, and whatnot. So uh, we get a couple of pages that are supposed to give us some context about bad rock who, <laughs> who's a kid that has this giant uh, rock body, what have you uh, get the impression that there's somewhat of a, like danger room, like X-Men danger room here where shaft and some others are, uh, are training and then spawn shows up. Uh, and he, he uses his powers, he teleports in. And, and before we go further, we should mention, because uh, we talked about we talked about it last episode, I think, that we talked about Spawn. We were wondering where his power level was at, because when he stupidly pressed the button on Angela's shaft, it all went to dashes, not even to zeros, to dashes. Uh, and then he was restored, obviously, and we didn't know where his power level was. So here we see 7926, which he even comments on it that he's already used a quarter of his power almost, or 20%. And he, he is right in a way. I mean, don't know exactly how much, like, I think the last time we saw this, it was, it was in the eights. Um, so yeah, he, only 13 issues in, he's already used 20% of his power. It's not great. So he, he definitely is trying to conserve his power. So he confronts uh, young blood. He, he, we know that he was trying to conserve his power. So he basically stuffed himself into a barrel and got himself somehow uh, included in a shipment that went to the Youngblood headquarters and was just there waiting until he sensed that Chapel was there, that that time has come. 
He breaks out. He goes and confronts him in the danger room, and he realizes that this isn't really what the way that he wanted to confront Travis. Like he wants it to be one on one, right? And he doesn't necessarily know who these other heroes or members of Young Blood are. Whether they're heroes or not could be debatable. He doesn't really know who these other members of Young Blood are. <laughs> he doesn't really want to expend any power fighting them. Again, he's very conscious of the fact that he has a limited amount of power. So he does. It feels like he doesn't really have a choice. What he does is he teleports, and he teleports not only himself, but Chapel as well. And when they disappear, the young blood guys kind of freak out, and they say we need to track him. Apparently, all of the members of Young Blood have a personal guidance signal, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, that the initials of that would be PGS, and it's what we probably think of as GPS, Global Positioning System. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, yeah. Don't I, Todd probably just hey this sounds good personal guidance guidance signal, um, <laughs> inadvertently uh, use the same same initials same acronym in a way, yeah. uh, but anyway they they yeah they won't have to go and track him down. Then we get this quick interlude where Terry Fitzgerald, who we saw last issue, was confronted by or um, con- covertly warned. We could put it that way: covertly warned by members of his uh, his agency that. Hey, you need to be careful. You have a family. And so he knows that he did something wrong. He's not exactly sure what he's not exactly sure who the enemy is. He clearly has made an enemy at his job and he's, he's worried for his wife and daughter. Uh, we get a second interlude that has to do with Sam and Twitch. Uh, just a reminder that they are still on desk duty because the serial killer, Billy Kincaid showed up dead in their office, chained up and bleeding, stabbed with popsicle sticks and whatnot. (laughs) Uh, so they're so they're still on desk duty and not happy about it. Uh, and then then we switch back to the main story, which is uh, Chapel and Spawn. And we we find out that Spawn has teleported Chapel to the place where he was killed in Botswana. And uh, Spawn's talking to Chapel as if he knows him, and Chapel's saying, "I, I don't know who you are, man." Like, and <laughs> Spawn doesn't just come right out and say, "I'm Al Simmons," right? He He's angry and he's just saying, yeah, of course you wouldn't remember me. You were supposed to be my friend. You're, you know, you're arrogant, blah, blah, blah. And it's through the context of what he says uh, that when he specifically calls Chapel the Don Juan of killers, because apparently Chapel was somewhat of a ladies man and went, jumped from woman to woman to woman. woman, That's when Chapel realizes who, who Spawn is. Uh, and And there's a little bit of a flashback. We learned that Jason Wynn did indeed give the order to Al Simmons killed. And he told Chapel that uh, uh, Al Simmons was a traitor and Al Simmons was selling secrets to uh, a foreign government, which uh, Chapel, of course, didn't verify, didn't care. He thought of it himself as a good soldier that always followed orders. And we learned that he, he walked right up behind Al Simmons and fried his brain to a crisp with a laser pack. So not even, uh, not even a dignified death, you know. Like Al yeah. Simmons was was ambushed from behind, like, and it really. I mean, not that I, I again, not that I'm an, a young book expert or know that much about it, but uh, what a crappy thing to do. Like, I, I don't know. Al Simmons at various times in this issue refers to Chapel as his friend. Chapel does the same. I don't know how you can claim to be friends with somebody. Yeah. Uh, if you would do that to, I mean, for, first of all, you, that you would even agree to kill 
somebody who's supposedly your friend without asking any questions. I'm just going to follow orders. And then to do it the way that he did, you know, for Chapel to just walk up that, behind him. That, that's um, just to interject a quick point before you move on and complete the story where we'll I'll comment more later, but that was one of my most difficult parts. This is you stumbled across the, the most difficult part I had with this narrative is that I think that this portion lacked a, a degree of verisimilitude for me because I, I had a really hard time imagining that these guys were ever really friends, despite Al, Sim, Al Simmons claiming that they were friends at one time over a few drinks. I mean, there's there, there's just uh, and we'll get more into it, but there's just no there's no redeeming quality, and that was my most disappointing aspect of Chapel here as a character is that he literally has no redeeming quality, which is interesting because you know, in my view, the the most interesting villains are the ones that actually have some redeeming qualities. Give me something to like. Give me some saving grace of Chapel. He is, after all, a member of Youngblood. At the least, make him appear to be like an antihero, not not a complete. Like completely evil, completely devoid of any degree of compassion, even for a friend that he fights alongside. They, I, I thought McFarlane really overplayed his hand here. And and again, we've we've said before during the twelve days of Spawn this, McFarlane's lack of subtlety in his in his desperation to make sure the reader knows who's evil and who's good in his comic. I think he's overplayed his hand here. And I I really hope as we review these issues moving forward that 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 changes <laughs> or the writing gets a little bit more sophisticated, dare I say. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily lay the blame on McFarlane. And that's only because I don't know, like, is this how chapel is in young blood too? I don't know because I haven't, I haven't read it, but, but you're right. Like in what, it, there are no redeeming qualities here. In, in what way is chapel at all a, a, a good guy? Like, I mean, even the the Punisher is is you know more compassionate, shows more feeling, shows more uh, you know tendency to do the right thing than than Chapel does. Chapel just yeah. seems nothing more than a a weapon. Well, that's because, and the other thing to remember, I think this is insulting to to people in the military. And and again, I don't want to like overanalyze this. This is just like a violent comic. I get it, but I mean. There's brotherhood in the military. I mean, you fight and die alongside your brother. And no, I've never been a member of the military, but when I when I hear the, the these military people talk about the respect they have for the person dying for their their brother, dying for the person beside them, and for their fellow their fellow military person, uh, there, there there doesn't seem to seem to have been any respect between Al and Chapel while they were working alongside each other in the military, and. Like you said, it just seems so one-dimensional that suddenly Chapel is just told by Jason Wynn to, yeah, take out, take out your best, take out your so-called best friend Al, and he doesn't even blink. I mean, it, it just really sort of, it was very disappointing. I, I was hoping for a little bit more, I don't know, something like some degree of hesitation by by Chapel to say, well, he's my friend, or 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 even some misdirection saying, well, maybe he was misled by Jason Wynn or something, but. But no, none of it. No, Chapel's just playing an a-hole. <laughs> and he does it because he's a jerk. He doesn't even hesitate. Well, yeah, he comes across as a complete psychopath or yeah. a sociopath, it, honestly. Like, he doesn't have any – it's like he has no emotion. He has no emotion. He doesn't care about – you know, and, and you, you sort of for a moment think that, okay, maybe he's – because of the way he says – he hesitates. He says, Al? Like – Oh my God, he's going to feel bad. He's going to feel some guilt for for what he did, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you think you think that that might be the case once yeah. he realizes that Al Simmons is in fact not dead. Uh, but before we get to that point, we do have like Rocky uh, referenced earlier uh, these talking heads where we do see a, a, a reporter from CNN. We see somebody 
it's no longer E Entertainment Television, which I find is interesting. Maybe they reached out to McFarland and said, "Nay, hey, don't do that anymore." <laughs> and then, of course, we have the right wing guy who's now on My View with Channel Two, and they all give various perspectives. CNN reported more of a left leaning. The uh, I don't know what the guy's name is. I'm sure at some point we'll we'll find out. But My View on Two is definitely the more right leaning, and then we have the sort of the entertainment perspective. But then when we go back to the fight after Chapel says, you know, you can't be real and, and thinks he's being tricked by somebody named Geiger, eventually he says, you know what? Well, the traitors, I guess he just, maybe it's because he doesn't want to find out that he was wrong and, and Simmons wasn't a traitor or he can't be faced with those emotions. Or maybe he just doesn't have those emotions because he really is a psychopath or sociopath. And he decides, well, you know what? That traitor's dead. You know, he, again, he's going back to what Jason Wynn told him the trader's dead. I got my own problems to worry about. Mm. And so they have a bit of a fight. And what we learn is interesting is that, you know, Spawn basically says, I could kill you pretty easily, you know, if I wanted. And we learn about Chapel having taken some sort of serum, apparently, that they were giving to his unit. And somehow the serum poisoned him with HIV, which was, a you know, obviously a big thing back then in 1992, AIDS and whatnot. And we know that uh, Al Simmons didn't take it because him and Wanda were trying to have a baby. Um, but it seems that, that Chapel has accepted it because he says, you don't scare me, Simmons. I killed you once. I'll do it again. So throughout the fight, maybe the way Al is fighting or whatnot, he recognizes the style. But he does seem to buy into the fact that this is Al Simmons. But again, he, he doesn't care uh, that it is, you know. So back to that no redeeming quality. The guy's either an a-hole, a psychopath, or a sociopath. But what's interesting is... Although Spawn says, you know, I, I could kill you. You'd be dead if I want, if that's what I wanted. You know, yeah. you see, Chapel, when I died, I had friends and family that warned me. My death caused a lot of sadness. But if I kill you, nobody's going to care. You don't have any friends or family who would even shed a single tear, which is also sort of telling. Like the only thing you ever cared about was a bunch of one night stands um, who didn't give a damn about you. That's all you've got. It's all you'll ever have. But I can fix that. <clears throat> and what he does is he decides in a, in a way to to do to Chapel what's been done to him. You know, we know that he his face looks like, you know, pounded out hamburger. He can't transform his appearance to be a, a black man. He can only look like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian guy. So that's what he decides that's going to even the score, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that as well. So what he does basically is he... He scars Chapel. Chapel's mask is is just that a mask or it's makeup or what have you, sort of a half skull. But what he does is he actually makes that permanent. He makes Chapel's face look like a skull. He's got these sharpened fang-like teeth, and it is also interesting that because uh, this is a pretty big change for the character of Chapel. You know, we could argue about how important a character he is overall, or how important any of the young blood characters are, given the small amount of. Uh, content that they have had over the years, thanks to Liefeld's terrible work ethic. Um, but regardless <laughs> of that, this is a huge change for the character of Chapel, and it happens not in a Youngblood comic, but in a Spawn comic. But he definitely makes him look pretty horrific, pretty demonic. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I find it interesting. Like, I'm trying to understand the motivation for um, for Al Simmons to do this, for Spawn to do this. Like, I, I get it in terms of it seems to me that 
Chapel's pretty much a scumbag. And probably like Spawn says, he doesn't really have anybody who cares about him and has somewhat of a miserable existence. So don't give him the easy way out by killing him. So I see that. But on the other hand, if Chapel truly is a sociopath or a psychopath and doesn't really f have emotions, then he's, it doesn't matter that you leave him alive yeah. and that well, his life is, is terrible because he, d he doesn't experience negative emotions anyway. He doesn't care. But I, I think we, part of me, though, I, I wonder, because it was established in earlier issues that the possibility that if you eliminate somebody even as horrible as Billy Kincaid, the serial killer that he killed, uh, you know, it's possible that Chapel will just be recruited by, uh, <laughs> by the, That's by the devil. You know, be recruited and be a member of the of, of the devil's army anyway, uh, just like Billy Kincaid was. And so it's almost like Spawn is trapped between you know a rock and a hard place. You know, he's he's a Spawn is literally the enemy of God. He he was told he's recruited to be the enemy of God. He's supposed to sort of like lead the devil's Malgia. What is it? What's the name Malibu. again? Malabrogia's <laughs> army. And here, Malabrogia could just recruit Chapel if he killed Chapel anyway. So it, there's almost like a, a hopelessness. It's like, well, maybe it's better just for Spawn to punish them and give them like a living death or a living punishment while they're alive and not kill them. Because if they, the moment they die, they become arguably more powerful and an army and a, and a soldier of the devil's army or Malabrogia's army. So... I'm not sure if that I, there's no indication in the story that that was part of that that was part of Al Simmons Spawn's thinking when he did that. Clearly, he was just you know he he wants to hurt he wants to hurt Chapel. He wants to make a point. He wants to you know and he wants to take away something that Chapel has and that is his good look, so he can no longer you know have his sexual ex escapades with all the women that he manipulates and has sex with. <laughs> and uh, but no, it was a. Uh, you know, so on the one hand, while this was a dated story in many ways in terms of pop culture, some of the pop culture references and what have you, uh, this, uh, this, you know, it, it it was interesting in so far as the the revenge that he inflicted upon the the person that ultimately killed him. It was a little surprising that he didn't kill him. On the other hand, given what Al Simmons has experienced and knows about the afterlife. In the previous twelve issues, perhaps I can understand why he would just opt on just, uh, you know, tormenting a chapel as as he did. And I just I want to give a quick shout out to I think it was fantastic dedication of George Perez at the, at the beginning of this issue. What how timely is it that we're reviewing this issue yeah. just when George Perez? I just want to give a shout out. CGC is having a the, the uh, a private signing of George Perez. That was just announced, I think, two days ago online. Uh, you can get a private signing with CGC comic books for George Perez, $75 an issue. And, of course, the tragic news that George Perez, you know, about him, uh, about him, uh, of course, uh, you know, he's, I guess he's cancer is slowly uh, winning its battle uh, on, on his life, and that that's tragic. But how wonderful that even... That's how much of a legend George Perez is here that at the beginning that even 30 years ago, George Perez was enough of a legend that he, that Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane, who's a legend today, was tr giving tribute to the legend of George Perez 30 freaking years ago. Wow. And in any event, uh, sorry for the digression, but I just wanted to give a well, if I can give a shout out to George Perez, I'll take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Definitely a, a legend. So yeah, I, I I agree with you. I hadn't thought about that, um, 
that would in Al's mind probably be even worse. Like, what if I kill this guy? And not only is it helping out Malabolgia and his army by, you know, bringing another really skilled soldier into the mix, but I might have to work alongside him once again, the guy that killed me, you know? So <laughs> yeah, let me, let me scar him. Let me, uh, I, but again, I, I, I would think that like removing a limb or in some, like breaking his back, uh, you know, to borrow a, what will soon happen, borrow from a, a storyline in Batman that will happen a few years after this spawn issue came out. You know, uh, he's such an active guy, you know, Chapel. He's that, that, that would have been more of a living death for him. But then maybe, um, maybe Spawn was worried about Chapel committing suicide. So anyway, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of this, uh, this relationship. The fight was pretty epic. I think the art in this issue is, is pretty solid. Uh, it's not the best art that I would say that we've seen in this uh, series so far. I, I do really feel like the best art that we've seen in these, in the, the maybe the, the first 13 issues that we've read here, uh, they, they, there happen to be, and I again, I don't know if it's coincidental or not. They happen to be the issues that McFarland doesn't write. So I just sort of feel like maybe he had more time when he's not the one writing it, uh, to, to have the art shine. I, I just to wanted, the art. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to make a comment. Like, uh, you know, because you, because when we do these reviews, we, you block out all the dialogue. But one of the things I noticed, and obviously you alluded to it, is I'm, I actually am, I'm surprised at how little the, how, how little art there actually is, how little backgrounds there are in a lot of the panels. Because there's, on a lot of these panels, there are no backgrounds. The backgrounds are all one color or just lined and, and exposition heavy. So you can kind of see, it's like, I mean, you talked about McFarlane's work ethic back in the day. I mean, a lot of these pages, they don't have a lot of art. They're almost, some of them are even template pages, especially showing the news broadcasters. They could have been literally juxtap, you know, literally laid from previous issues. And, you know, su there's surprisingly little art on some of these pages because of the exposition as well. So, and it's funny because back in the day, I never noticed that. I was buying Spawn because I love the art. And then here I am now looking at it and I'm thinking, I, I don't know, I think I'm expecting maybe there should have been more detail here. And there is on the individual characters, but on the background, it was for the first time I'm beginning to see, well, you know, a little bit more of the flaws and the, and the weaknesses in some of McFarlane's art. And, and McFarlane himself is the first to, to talk about his own you know, he's very self-effacing about his uh, skills as an artist. Uh, I think he, you know, he's he's good, but uh, you can definitely see some of the some some of what some of his deficiencies in these early issues of Spawn as well, which is kind of ironic given that he was such an artistic powerhouse. Yeah, and the other part I always go back to during the early issues of first, let's say, four or five years of of Image Comics was just how busy these guys were with things that didn't have anything to do with comics. You know, they were taking Hollywood meetings. They, you know, had meetings for merchandise and, you know, it's, it's hard to stay motivated and hungry when people are just throwing money at you left and yeah. right. Um, and he was also and building so his action figure line too, at the time, I believe, uh, McFarlane, he was just, uh, I yeah, believe in yeah. 1993, he was just starting his McFarlane toys. Yep. Yep. So yeah, again, stretched pretty thin. Uh, and you wonder how much that contributed because you're right. I mean, the individual issues and the, and the page layouts are very dynamic or the individual characters rather uh, have detail and the page layouts for the fights are very dynamic, but 
overall, yeah, the art is is not up to what we had been used to seeing in, in things like uh, Amazing Spider-Man, for example. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this uh, this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you're going to join us for uh, Spawn Daily this year, 2022. Uh, most of these issues are available digitally on Comixology. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to find them. I mean, you can look on eBay and find individual issues and, you know, various, uh, online retailers and whatnot. It do, they do get sort of pricey once you get up past what about 150, right? Rocky gets in yeah. the really low print. <laughs> yeah. Runs. The low print runs. Yeah. They get, yeah, they get far more pricey. Uh, I'm not, uh, yeah. fortunately I'm not, I digitally I'll, I'll be getting more, more spawn as we review them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a spawn collector, so I think that saves me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the case. So uh, anyway, just a quick reminder, everybody, be sure you head over to YouTube, do a search for Rocky's channel. It's Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of Spawn Daily. Uh, you can check out all the great art as we talk about the books. Like the videos, subscribe to the channel, ring the notification bell so you know when new content comes out even beyond the Spawn Daily. Uh, conversely, if you check us out on YouTube already and you want to just listen to the audio version, it's available on every audio platform or your favorite uh, podcasting application on your smart device. Just do a search for the comic source and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the other content beyond Spawn Daily as well. So we really appreciate the support. We look forward to uh, many, many more issues of Spawn this, this year. We will probably be sick of Spawn by the time the year ends and never want to read another Spawn comic. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, thanks for joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.